words on water. Welcome to Words on Water, a podcast from the Water Environment Federation. This is the host, Travis Loop. Very excited for this fun episode to talk about the pro- a program called Unleash and a hack that took place uh, around uh, sanitation challenges, public health challenges in Alabama. I've got three guests with me for this episode. I have Anastasia Miskel. She is a water engineer with Arcadis. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks so awesome. much for having me. Yeah, great to have you on here. I have Gabby Idukazu, a PhD student in biosystems engineering at Auburn. Gabby, thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you so much, Travis, for having us. Absolutely. And Lindsay Broderick, structural engineer out on the West Coast in the Bay Area. Lindsay, thanks for joining. Thanks so much. Excited to be here. Looking forward to this a lot because I need to learn more about Unleash and how these hacks work. Um, So let's start really, really big picture. What is the Unleash program? Yeah, so um, I'd love to jump in on that, Travis. So Unleash, the broad program, is essentially looking at innovation through the SDGs. So we're looking at innovating on the SDGs in an effort to really propel and move those SDGs forward. Um, So in 2017, 2018, and 2019, it was actually an in-person event that brought together a thousand change makers from around the world, which is kind of insane to think about that many people assembling. And, and was a, an intensive program that really wor- walked talents through this innovation process in hopes of propelling um, those SDGs forward. So at the end of it, it would culminate in a pitch competition, kind of Shark Tank style. Um, there were prizes. Um, and, and so then when COVID hit, um, we shifted to a virtual hack platform. Um, and, and so the first set of hacks that took place last year were two-day events that took place over a weekend and were really localized. And and so kind of the the changes that were made from the in-person intensive program to the hacks was really trying to drill down into a localized issue um, in an effort to really make tangible impact. Um, And so those were very successful. Those took place all around the world last year. And so we duplicated and made some changes and, and ran something similar this year. Um, so for all of us on, on the line right now, um, Anastasia and I were both part of um, the organizing team. Anastasia was our, our fearless leader for the organizing team. And then Gabby was one of our talents. Um, so that's kind of big picture, what unleashes and, and the format and, and, and where we are now. And the, and the idea is that you pull together all these different thinkers, creative thinkers uh, from around the world because more brain power is good, right? You want to just put all these brains toward these great challenges that we have and, and see what can stick. Exactly, exactly. And it's, you know, I think what one of the main strengths of the program really is that thought diversity 
bringing together people um, of different backgrounds, different experiences, and then also different expertise um, that really kind of drives that innovative thinking. Um, and then there's also, you know, the, the Unleash Innovation methodology, um, where we look at kind of the main stages of innovative thinking, which is problem framing, ideation, prototyping, testing, and implementation. And so kind of bringing together all those expertise that those ideas and then walking through this process, I think is really the strength. So, you know, some of the, um, the solutions that come out can be anything from a technology solution to a recommendation on government policy um, and, and really kind of opening the door for a wide range of solutions, depending on how that group um, kind of jives and, and, and what their expertise really is and how they dive into a problem. Mm -hmm. And this, this term hack, you know, I think commonly people think about hacking, computer hacking, you're up to no good, right? You're just trying to crack into a system and cause some mischief or, you know, come up with something. So what, could you explain what a hack means in the Unleash context? Yeah, I, I would say um, the the hack term is, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say we're up to no good, but <laughs> um, I, I would consider it more of a term as, as you know, disruptive um, if we're talking about, say, the tech sector. Um, and, and so really what we're doing is hacking an issue. Um, so each of the hacks is centered around a specific problem statement in a local area that we're essentially, quote unquote, hacking into. Um, and, and so ours was based on the wastewater and sanitation issues um, in the Black Belt of Alabama. Yeah. Well, let's let's turn to that. Um, before we talk about the specific hack there, um, I'd like to to give folks a little bit of an understanding of, of what the situation is, what those challenges are in Alabama. We know that it's become a much bigger topic here lately, but the topic of the Alabama Black Belt and the challenges that they have started to get a lot of their initial um, national and international attention in the early 2000s, when a lady named Mrs. Catherine Coleman Flower started kind of raising the alarm about some of the sanitation challenges in the area. And so a little bit of background, the term black belt is a little bit of a pseudonym um, with a big part of it being related to the, the rich dark soil in the area, which was used historically for cotton farming. Um, and so if you think historically, cotton farming at the time had a lot to do with slavery. And so now a lot of the descendants of those slaves are densely populated in that area. And so I say it's a pseudonym because it's a, a majority Black region in the Black Belt region. Um, and now with cotton becoming more um, mechanized and industrialized, a lot of the economic bottom ended up falling out in that region. And so now you have a really densely... Um, black populated area and a, a really densely impoverished area, um, kind of all in one in that Black Belt region. And with that rich, dark soil, um, soil percolation was a challenge. And it's very rural. Um, like I said, there's not a big economic base. And so it's, it's pretty sparsely populated. And septic tanks are really common in rural areas just all over. But in this case, because of that type of soil, um, percolation is a challenge. And so in the Black Belt, you have a lot of um, rampant backups of the septic systems and you actually do have them, which can cause financial and health issues. If 
backing up into your home. And then also because of the costs of the septic systems, they're all being, the costs being all borne by individual homeowners and then being pretty expensive, like 15 to $20,000 each. A lot of people don't even get the septic tanks to start. And so you have a lot of what we call straight piping where people just have a direct pipe from the restroom facilities and the other facilities in their homes going directly into the yards. And so you can imagine the waste, human waste into your yards and your children out there playing, your pets. And so there's been a lot of health impacts related to that, including hookworm infections really being on the rise. Um, and hookworm was some, a parasite that we thought was eradicated in the 50s. And so now you have all of these challenges kind of perpetuating. And so, you know, our group with the hack did a good job of kind of trying to, to add some context and some of the complexity of the challenges. And so you have, of course, the technology challenge with septic tanks. Then you also have like the financial challenges that are highlighted and the social challenges, you know, um, black and impoverished demographic groups are often groups brought up in the topics of social justice and environmental justice. And so that's definitely been a topic related to this. Also, um, there's been governmental and regulation challenges. And so there's different regulatory codes in Alabama than in the neighboring states who also have that black belt soil condition going across. Um, and there seems to be a bit of a, a regulatory pinch hole in trying to maybe see how we can kind of start borrowing from our neighbors. Um, and then I guess the last one is organization. So you have a lot of individual homeowners trying to attack, attack this on their own. And so um, it can be difficult, one, to obtain funding for like from federal or state funding sources, because often you need an entity of some sorts to obtain funding as opposed to an individual person. So that's a struggle. And then also when you think about maintenance, usually with a centralized system, you have like, you know, a set number of operators who help maintain things and they're getting paid. Um, but when you don't have that organization, it's on you to maintain. And so that's, again, where organization can present a challenge in the black belt. So we see it's, it's quite complex. And that's why I'm really excited that we had a chance to really take a good bite out of it with the HEC and that we're going to continue to get those opportunities going forward and post-HEC implementation. So the hack for, for this situation in Alabama, um, how, how is it set up? What's the, what's the setup for that? What happens? What happened? Yeah. And so I think <clears throat> in my conversations that I've had, I, I think of it as in almost three different phases. And so the pre-hack ecosystem building is one of the phases I would kind of highlight. And so in that phase, before the hack, our organizing team, we had an incredible organizing team, as well as a team of advisors that came alongside us, um, WEF being a co-host and providing a number of advisors also, um, we all set out on the charge of building that ecosystem. And so that'll include partners who can provide technical expertise, partners who on the back end could provide um, implementation support and mentoring, um, sponsor partners, as well as our facilitators um, and our talents, of course, which is really critical because in this hack situation, those are the folks who are actually coming up with what's gonna be implemented. And so all of that ecosystem building and especially with the community being a big focus, we had community partners being a big focus in that pre-hack um, ecosystem building phase. And then phase two, which is almost like a blip in time was the hack itself. Like Gabby can attest to this. It was like extremely rapid paced. It was just 
two days with the week between um, that you have like PhD students like Gabby, you've got full-time workers. And so you think about how intense that was to be able to find all the free time you could to help validate assumptions with the experts um, as you walk through that innovation process during the event. And so Lindsay talked about during the event, the main objective was to walk through those um, steps of the unleashed innovation process. And so um, there's five in total, but this hack focused on the first three. And so on the first day, they did problem framing and started trying to get a little bit into ideation. And so really dissecting the problem on the front end, coming up with that root cause, and then coming up with some draft ideas. And then the week between kind of utilizing our 30-ish um, experts we ended up having, we were grateful to have those, the community leaders, just having them inter interview those folks validate assumptions, iterate on their problem framing, iterate on their solution ideas. And then on the third day, um, the idea was to move into prototyping, um, some rapid prototyping, coming up with business models. Um, with the super intensity of everything, most of the teams ended up really just dialing in on their um, ideation and not doing as much with prototyping. But that's in general the framework of the event itself. And then now we're in the third phase. Um, which is the post-hack implementation phase, which again is like another much more robust time, continue to build capacity, build relationships with the community and like come up with programming to make sure that the talents are able to bring their solutions forward with the guidance of their experts and communities leaders. So, yeah. Awesome, incredible, what an incredible process. Um, I guess it's a good time to, to turn to Gabby and ask from her perspective, you know, what draws someone like you to get involved in this? And what did what what did you do during this hack? What what was your activity? So uh, funny thing, uh, I was invited by a WEF member from my university, uh, literally twenty hours before <laughs> the the enrollment closed. So I sent out my application, um, and I think um, it was well, it, it was accepted and all. But I was kind of going blind. I didn't. I wasn't sure of what's going to happen. I just knew the the topic was interesting. It's in my my state. I'm not originally from Alabama, uh, from my accent. You can you can tell. But uh, it was it's so close to me. It's right there. Um, I learned a little bit talking to some advisors, talking, uh, having classes and stuff, but never actually dove into the, the, the whole problem. Um, so it's just by 8 a.m., 9 a.m., the beginning of the first day, I was just like expecting to learn more, maybe know some people, make, you know, you know how academia works, right? We, we want networking, we want something. Um, by noon, I was like, okay, this is gonna be intense. <laughs> I need to grab two or three cups of coffee and like, <laughs> you know, it was, but it was in this sense, it was exhausting, it was. And I know that, and I, I have a lot, and I always tell Lindsay that, I always tell Anastasia that, uh, and Carol, other members of the organizing team, they were magnificent. They were like, they made everything seem so smooth for us, for the talents, uh, for us to be able to like work on what we wanted to work. Uh, so yeah, I spent uh, 10 days on a Saturday and 10 hours on a Saturday, and then 
10 it hours. Felt, and it felt like 10 days in one day though, right? <laughs> well, 10 months, maybe I would say, honestly, it was very, very intense. And my group, we had people working on the East coast as well. So we had the timing issue, the time zones issue, and we were trying to navigate all that. But, um, uh, in my team, for example, so, so you had just have an idea I'm in academia, uh, and I never, I worked a little bit outside of academia, but I have most of my experiences in, in um, master's and PhD studies. Three of other uh, members of my team um, uh, are more technical. So they, they're, they're water engineers, they work in, in companies. And the fifth member, uh, he was from, he worked with uh, government agencies. So we had, you know, all those three super different and super nice perspectives that the other two never knew about it. You know, like when people start talking about government agencies to me that I'm not even from the US, I'm just like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, tell me more, you know? So a, a little bit, we, were, we wanted to just to learn, but then we had to dive in in the problem and kind of connect these little pieces. And this was super interesting to us. And I could see that the other teams were in the same uh, boat, kind of like we had all these different minds and now we were all thinking about the same one problem. And another thing that I think it was super awesome about the hack, and again, I have to uh, thank the organizing team, was the experts and, and, and the, the community leaders that we had contact to. Because I feel like in, again, in academia, or, or even working uh, in companies, we're always like in a, a bubble, right? We're always like so concentrated in solving that one specific problem. So if we, uh, if I get a paper and read about the black belt region, I will say like, okay, we have problems in percolation. Let's think about, about a technology to solve that. But that's not the problem necessarily. The problem is what technology we're gonna implement in what time, uh, in what community and who we're going we're gonna to talk to, who we're going to send there to be able to communicate with them. So there was all this uh, interconnected problems that were evol that evolved throughout the years for the past decades that uh, I wouldn't be aware, even if it was my theme of study here as a PhD student, you know. So uh, they provided us with a whole the whole uh, perspective of this problem and we could actually work into a solution. Mm. Well, fascinating. It seems like that having people that come from different disciplines, from different places uh, is really the strength. That's what you need is that diversity of thought and diversity of background, right? That to, to come up with new solutions to things. So what, what was the winning solution and some of the other leading solutions? Because um, this has been a, a persistent problem, like Anastasia said, for, for decades. Um, and it's, you know, it's ready for a breakthrough of some kind. So what, what's the idea that you all came up with? Uh, so we first thought, again, because we're more technical, we started from the bottom. So we were specifically talk, talking about Uniontown. Uh, which is two hours from Auburn. Um, uh, we used that city as a model because it, it had so many attention for the past uh, couple of months. And so we had a lot of information on it. 
and they had they are they have pretty strong tilapia um, uh, uh, farms and pretty strong uh, cheese production uh, plants. So we knew that those were like apart from the sewage, apart from the population. Uh, the city uh, wastewater treatment plants would also have to deal with those uh, industry wastewaters. Um, so we came up with a framework uh, for the implementation of a co-op between these companies, the city and the community for them to reclaim their, because that one of the problems with the whole, the whole history of the Black Belt uh, uh, community communities throughout the Black Belt is that they feel like left to the side, you know, like they had, they have had this, that problem for so many years, for so many decades that they feel like people come in, they try to solve it. And, and as soon as they feel like, oh, it's going to be too hard, they, they leave. So they're hurt. They're, they're tired of, of being left in the way that they are. So we, we wanted to come up with something that would involve the community and give it back to them, the power of having clean water, of having sanitation. Uh, so we came up with this framework for a co-implementation of a co-op between the companies where they could build um, a aquaponics system, which is essentially using the wastewater as fertilizers for uh, plant production and uh, tertiary uh, algae wastewater treatment. Mm. Awesome, that's, that's incredible. Um, what what happens next? You know, Anastasia, you talked about all the follow up that happens, um, you know, from a process standpoint, but I'm really interested. So you have this winning solution, you have some other solutions. How are those advanced in hopes that they become tangible on the ground practices? Yeah, it's definitely the, the process definitely does not stop. Once we have those winning solutions, that was an incredible solution. Um, Gabby's team was the winning team, uh, just for a little uh, shout out. Um, but we had a number of really incredible solutions, but we, we all know that it doesn't stop there. And so um, in our post-hack phases, we have a number of opportunities for the teams to continue to develop their solutions, build relationships with the experts, as well as build relationships with those community members, which is really important, of course, for a good holistic solution um, with the user in need, with the user in mind. Um, and so right now we have Unleash has some um, programs that they've put together. And so they have two programs in particular. And so there's one program called Bring Your Idea to Life. And so that, uh, that program is set to be um, to take place in August. And so that's just kind of open to any of the teams who are interested in continuing their solution forward. They're gonna be providing them some resources, some ideas and tips from other water entrepreneurs um, from the Unleash space. And then there's another program that's put together by Unleash called Unleash Plus. And so this is application only um, program that's really focused on connecting the teams with a broad network of um, accelerators. And so that might mean experts and it also might mean some funding opportunities and that'll get them <clears throat> prepped for some additional Unleashed programs that they have um, possible including Unleashed Circle, which is a more funding intensive opportunity for teams to, to kind of go deeper on their problems again. 
So that's from the Unleash side. And then our organizing team is also aware of the opportunity we have with this new hack format and us being, you know, more localized, like Lindsay highlighted. And so um, with us being more local and having the capacity to really be able to continue to drive things forward um, on our end, we put together some programming. And so three major events we put together are, one is a synergizing ideas workshop. And so that's currently tentatively planned for August. And so that's where we'll allow the teams to really come together. Um, maybe there's some intermingling of teams, like we're allowing that to be an opportunity. There's some other opportunity for on-ramp additional solutions, maybe teams who already have been doing research as a research team. And so they didn't participate in Unleash, but now they'll get the chance to kind of on-ramp their solutions as well. Um, additional solutions from our expert teams and our organizing team, um, just really trying to get all of our ecosystem mobilized and our like kind of our branch of our ecosystem mobilized. And so that's the first workshop idea. And then the second one is one um, that two of our advisors to our organizing team will help lead up. And so there's a community development corporations workshop, and there's also a community economic empowerment workshop. The two that those guys will be leading. And so essentially, um, it's going to be focused on coaching the teams and how they can really connect their solutions with the community. And so community development corporations for a short background is just like community um, led corporations as the name would would suggest and the communities can just mobilize and create them themselves. They'll have some like lawyer support that's needed and we'll be able to to have those folks um, leading that workshop walk the community members that attend through what that process will be like. Um, and so then the teams are able to now partner their solutions with these community development corporations so that when they do get you know, grant money and or, or whatnot, other funding from other uh, sponsor partners, the community is able to have a stake in that. And so it can be often that sometimes they're left out of the equation and there's a big grant, but a big consulting firm is the one that kind of runs it. And then a lot of the money just doesn't touch them. And we mentioned this is already an economically um, less fortunate area, if you will. And so we want to make sure that we're creating those economic opportunities. And so again, our other expert um, with the community economic empowerment is just going to talk the teams through how when you do have grant money or other funding that you are using on a project in the community, um, how you can leverage that to help create businesses. And so that's something his company does. Um, you know, so if you're going to have a big hundred million dollar contract um, with federal money, like let's coach you on how you can help the community to create a concrete company and like do the training, be a part of that um, so they can have like ongoing um, opportunities even after the event. So that's the second event with a little bit of explanation on kind of the idea behind that. And the last one is our collective impact workshop, which will actually be in person in the Alabama Black Belt. And so that one will be um, focused on really gathering the community to be a part of the solution even more. And so the idea behind the collective impact framework is just having a no fault environment and everyone comes in and you leave your titles at the door and you really just dive in to try to come up with the most effective solution. So those are the main program things we have in line now, in addition to, you know, of course, community outreach and um, social media and marketing as we come into opportunities. And in the stage, if I could just add to that too, you know, the 
all the items and the phases that Anastasia has has outlined is really in the spirit of impact and not create re, recreating what's already been done. So really what we want to do with our panel of experts and also with all the people that are involved is, is really just try to leverage and elevate as much as we can and, and really organize between those folks. So we make sure that, you know, we really are moving the dial forward, um, as you might say, and, and not recreating or really starting from zero. Um, so that's really what we're trying to do in this post-hack phase is, you know, take the, the groups that participated, take our experts and, and take the community and, and some of that existing ecosystem and really sit down and say, how can we make tangible impact? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, somebody or all of you said before that the, the hack itself was really a blip compared to, um, you know, especially this post hack phase. And uh, it's incredible to hear what is going to be in the works. I really look forward to following it all. And I appreciate the three of you coming on here to explain this to folks and the three of you being involved in such an important project um, and a part of this country and the states that really needs some, some serious attention. Um, so thank you all very much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Words on water.